Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to episode 33 of the Middle-Aged Outlaws podcast. I'm Ross, I'm here with my co-host Adam as always, um, and today we're going to be talking about not the first ever King of the Ring, Adam, but the first ever televised King of the Ring. Yeah. Um, how's it going? It's going alright, just about recovered from Covid, I'm, I'm on the road to recovery, um, so yeah, it's going okay. You? Yeah, good, thank you. I had a little week off in Tenerife, um, and in that space of time, I managed to decide that I no longer wanted, we no, I no longer wanted us to talk about TNA, whatever it was, we were, sacrifice, was it? We were I think that's about? right, yeah. Um, and impulsively decided to watch to King of the Ring 93 instead. So um, if you've tuned in to hear us talk about the Texas death match between those two guys that we've never heard of, then just switch it back off because <laughs> we're probably just going to run down Hulk Hogan for an hour or so <laughs> again. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, all good. Do you want, do you want to hear about, do you want to hear about June 1993? Yeah, absolutely. Before we get started, there, there's no great ones this week, but um, but here we are. Uh, King of the Ring 1993, which took place in June 1993. As we said before, um, this was the first ever televised King of the Ring and became part of the the big what what was initially the big four: Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, uh, SummerSlam, Survivor Series. <laughs> turned to the Big Five for a number of years before they then dumped the King of the Ring idea again for for what reason I don't know but um, always been a fan of it myself, what about you? Yeah, I, I liked it as a, a pay-per-view and I liked, you know it, it would usually be an indicator of, of who's about to get a decent push mm-hmm. um, and I, I liked that um, I, I think they sort of reverted to doing it on the TV shows yes. for a while, yes. um, which I've I've not really followed. Um, I know that you know there's been some some winners that absolutely did signpost that that push to come, and some that maybe fell a little bit flat in comparison. But uh, I was enthusiastic to watch this because I, I had quite fond memories of this one. Yeah, me too. Um, what was I going to say? I cannot remember, so no bother saying it. <laughs> oh, I'm totally lost. Were you about to debate whether uh, Mabel or Billy Gunn were the greatest ever King of the Rings? No. No. No, No, it wasn't. Who was the first ever King of the Rings? Was Was it Harley Race? I think it might have been Harley Race, yeah. There might have been somebody before that. And I think they used it, I'm not sure if they used the the tournament storyline or the fact that if you beat the King, you could become the King. Um, when they were doing uh, Randy Savage turning heel and becoming the Macho King. Nice. Um, so yeah, there's uh, there's storylines relating to the King of the Ring before it was ever a, really a pay per view. 
when I was on holiday, I was reading a really good book called The Death of the Territories by Tim Hornbaker. Um, and in there, they talked about Vince basically invading every every available territory. Um, and the Harley race was King Harley race at the time. They were trying to get into Memphis and it just fell flat on its face because the king in Memphis was uh, Jerry Lawler. Um, so just a little interesting tidbit for you there, Adam. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it sounds from everything you've said like it was a very good read, that book. Yes, I'd recommend that one. Yeah. Um, okay, so June 1993, I've got a couple of famous births. Um, cool. Your boy, Cooper Cup. Oh, nice. Wide receiver for the Los Angeles Rams. Um, and and your, your girl, Ariana Grande. Really? I thought she would be younger than that. Mm. What age would okay. 1993 be? 1993, somebody would be... In their 30s? They'd be, yeah, late 20s right now. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, <coughs> and really, the only other big thing, and, and Mean Gene Oakland does allude to it during the pay-per-view, Jurassic Park was released in June 1993. Amazing. So that would be, well, whenever it came to the UK cinemas, would be when I discovered I was allergic to Pepsi. That's Jolly <laughs> yeah. Rancher. Well, we, we we throw Jolly Ranchers into the mix because they were involved on the day, but you know, uh, they they may just have been totally innocent, and because there's definitely two situations where the the throat swelled up quite a lot when Pepsi was involved. You <sighs> Coke and Pepsi, Coke is the winner. Well, I mean, in fairness, I've just avoided Pepsi for decades now, but I could probably drink it now and be absolutely fine, so I imagine what's in it's changed a lot over the years. <laughs> true, <laughs> that's very true. Um, UK number one in June 93. Are we going to guess? Are you going to have a wee, a wee punt? 93? I'd, I wouldn't even know where to start, I don't think. Okay. Um, it is I Can't Help Falling In Love With You by UB40. Oh, Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And in America, um, I don't know the song. It's That's the Way Love Goes by. Mm, I don't recognise that at all. Janet Jackson. Okay. Like, I, I, I was thinking 93, we're, we're a wee bit too early for like Britpop and things like that to have taken over. Um, and probably equally a bit too early for the massive boy and girl band's uh, success. So yeah, I, I was I was a bit lost with that year, thinking what could that be? Suggesting that UB40 were, weren't a boy band? Well, yeah, just a, a, an, an extremely talented... Um, re reggae. Re reggae? <laughs> reggae yeah. pop band, yep. Reggae yeah. influenced. Um, so yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes they're just not that interesting, Adam. But Jurassic yeah. Park's always a winner. Oh, yeah. Uh, Despite I mean, what they've bastardised it into these days. When, when, when I finally got to see it in full, you know, rather than having to leave uh, the cinema, I, I, one of my favourite films of all time. Which Love is, it. says a lot, considering your throat was swelling up the first time you saw it. I think you <laughs> yeah, you... Scarred your life. Like some sort of post-traumatic stress uh, disorder watching yeah. that now but no, no I, I, I just love it brilliant film class well that leads us nicely on to the Nutter Centre in Dayton, Ohio or as they keep referring to it the what do they call it the Heart of America or something like that yeah I think so yeah seem to not be wanting to 
<laughs> slip in that they're actually in somewhere that's not like New York or um, one of the bigger yeah, places. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that I think. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if business was necessarily booming right now uh, at this point in time. Although there's some good stuff in here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you think you would have watched this, or, or not watched it, but I've seen it as a young. Yeah, I, 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 I had it on VHS. Um, so I think back in, in those days, like I'd, I'd collected as many of the, you know, the, the big shows like the WrestleManias, mm-hmm. Royal Rumbles, SummerSlams as I, as I could get. And then just noticed that there was this new show, this different show. Um, so I, I, I definitely had this on VHS. Um, and I think, I think I really enjoyed it when I watched it uh, as a kid. Um, there's, there's plenty of good wrestling in here, but there's also, you know, I, I was a, it might be surprising to hear it now, but I was a, a Hogan fan as a kid. Mm-hmm. You, you, you like seeing Hulk Hogan on, on any big show. You expect to see him on any big show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was definitely also a, a Bret Hart guy when, when I was young. Um, cause he always just seemed really cool in that tag team. And then they broke him off to become the single star. So I was pretty much a fan of, of his from the start. Yep. I was pretty much the same myself. And I think, uh, I'm the same as you. I feel like I've seen this a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking, I was looking across Yokozuna's uh, career in WWF. And to me, it felt like he must have been there for about 10 years. Um, and I was reflecting on this and thinking it's probably because I've watched the same videos <laughs> over and over again that many times. Because um, I, I don't, really don't even remember watching WrestleMania 10 as a kid, but I must have watched WrestleMania 9 about a million times. I, th- I think the same as this King of the Rings. So. Yeah, I wonder how, how long his, his run actually was in because I think he went away for a little while, not to another company, but I think basically taken off they wanted, screen they wanted, for a little they while. They wanted him to lose weight, and they sent him away to lose mm-hmm. weight, and he kept coming back, having put on more weight. Mm-hmm. Um, I think around about 96. Okay. Uh, okay. Or through 96. It's a shame. Eh? We'll get into it. Yeah. Um, commentary team here is quite a, an unorthodox... Um, trio, the same trio that we had at WrestleMania 9, um, which we've not discussed, but I think I'm on record as saying it's one of my favourite WrestleManias. I'm also on record as uh, saying it's probably one of the worst WrestleManias. <laughs> um, but the, the commentary team here, JR, Bobby the Brain Heenan, and the Macho Man Randy Savage. I think at this point Vince had decided that Savage was done um, and wanted to put him in the commentary team. Yeah, um, one of his crazy, crazy hairbrained schemes that he comes up with. It's a funny mix because I know he was on. You know, he was one of the announcers in the the early days of Raw um, when Raw was launched. But I think it was like him, Vince, and someone else uh, that were the the pairing. I don't know if this particular combination of this trio would have done many shows together. This was. Uh, I think this was it. Yeah, Jr. But, disappeared again after this. Right. Okay. It, it, I mean, it doesn't work all that well, um, which we've we've kind of discussed offline, um, especially some of the Bobby Heenan stuff. So it's it's probably understandable. Vince maybe would have watched, listened in, and thought, mm, yeah, maybe not the best combination. And I, I had a wee look through 
just the 1993 Raws, because Raw only started in 1993, I think. Yeah. Um, had a wee look through the Raws, and Savage is taking on Yokozuna for a title not that long after this on an episode of Raw, so he's obviously back in the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, not too much longer after this. Yeah. It doesn't bring much to to the to table at all as far as the commentary is concerned. It, in fact, it takes away from it a lot of the time. Yeah, it's, it's a shame he's... As as a wrestler, he's so charismatic, Aye. and it just doesn't come across very well here at no, all. No, not at all. Uh, um, we kick off with one of our King of the Ring. What would this be? Quarterfinals. Finals. Yeah. Um, and what a match to start off with: Razor Ramon versus Bret the Hitman Hart. Yeah. Yeah. And right from that off, the the mankind car. It's like a car crash. Um, sound sound effect that starts off uh-huh. Razor Ramon's music, the music and um, coming out, just an amazing way to start, just takes yeah. you transports you right back to childhood I think Oh yeah, uh, he was I think we've when we've discussed him before he was a big favourite of both of ours mm-hmm. um, and you know, the, this is just one of those matches that you see and you want to see um, and I know they, they, they have more matches in the future, so they maybe have a world title match a year down the line from this, it might so be at the next Ro- King of the Ring Royal Rumble is it? Okay. Um, it's, um, it's either Royal Rumble nine. Oh, I was going to say ninety three. Would that make sense? Yeah, because Brett was champion then. I think it's Royal Rumble nineteen ninety three. Yeah, okay. Same year, Yokozuna wins it. Goes on at the WrestleMania nine to face each other. That's what happens. Yeah, yeah. So um, we know that they've you know they've had headline matches together. Um, I, I, I've got it in my mind they work together quite a lot. That might just be. Um, me thinking of all the pay-per-views that, like you mentioned earlier, I've watched over and over again, <laughs> and maybe it was only two or three, but it seems like quite a lot of times to me, and they've got pre- a pretty good chemistry going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> uh, the, the, the other thing about seeing Razor against Brett is uh, emphasises just how big Scott Hall is. Yeah. Um, we spoke about it before when we were watching WCW, and he seemed like he had everything. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he looks massive. Yeah, and he. The other thing is, I suppose, where are we about to head into steroid trial? Are we? Because I think think that's the reason they put the the title on Brett and all that sort of stuff. Ah, yeah, that's right. Because not only does Scott Hall like he looks amazing, but he looks natural as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So in terms of big guys, muscular uh, performers. He doesn't look outlandish or cartoonish. He just looks like a, a big guy. Like a beast. Uh, uh, too yeah. Right. Um, pretty much immediately start this match, we see the difference in styles. We've got power, big, powerful guy and the technical wrestler. And, um, Brett, although he's getting overpowered, he continues to use his, his technique to focus on Razor's arm. To start mm-hmm. off with, he's getting taken down, but he's holding on to something. And, um Holding on to the arm, which which is what we come to expect for watching Brett, but it's still class to watch. Mm. Did you notice the um, the crowd chants of one two three kid? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that they're there at the start, and then it kind of comes into play uh, as the match is going because um, yeah, it's, it's like you laid out. Brett's got the quickness and the wrestling moves and all that. Well, whereas Razor's that that bit more powerful. We've got um, Brett hitting his uh, shoulder on the ring post and Razor, you know, 
uh, properly going after the shoulder at that point. He starts getting distracted by the crowd chanting one, one two, two, three, three. kid, <laughs> uh, which, which is, is good because, you know, he's, he's playing the heel here. Um, and you, you probably would have a go at the crowd and get rattled by that kind of thing. Um, just some sort of, there's obviously a story on the go there. And, um, I remember when I've watched some old Raws and things like that, actually going back and watching the one where one, two, three kid gets the big shock win over Razor Ramon. Mm-hmm. Um, and them basically really rolling with the angle of how much that got in Razor's head. Yep. So it's, it's a good thing when you know the crowd are going to do it. Um, because it's the, it's the storyline on the go at the time. Uh, it's a, a good, good way to play into that heel angle. Um, just, I, I thought that was a, it's a slight uh, sidebar, but I thought that one, two, three kid razor story was really good. Um, in terms of a way of getting somebody over and, uh, really letting the story play out rather than, you know, rushing things through and things like that. It's crazy when you go back and watch that, how young Sean Waltman looks. Yeah. Uh, I've no idea how old he is now versus how old he was then. I thought that'd be like so young. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, some of the, uh, again, like we get some of the, um, the classic moves that, that both of these guys like to use. Uh, Razor has a lovely follow-away, is a follow-away slam? Yeah, that's I, what I've got written. I think that's what they call it, uh, the, the commentary team. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of on top for a little bit of this, and it's a bit of a story throughout this show that Brett's basically getting beaten down, mm-hmm. um, but comes back. He's a kind of a, almost an, an underdog in each of these matches. Yeah, um, we see a lot of classic Brett here: Russian leg sweep, the backbreaker, the inverted atomic drop, which people never use mm-hmm. anymore. It's an amazing move. Yeah, um, the flying elbow from the second rope. Um, and just a, a thing I was going to mention there was I'd heard or read, can't remember which, that Brett had been told never to use the sharpshooter with any of these matches. Oh, okay. um, Pat Parson had apparently told him not to use the sharpshooter for any of these matches, and I think it's in this match that the Razor starts stamping on his fingers. Yeah, that's stamping right. Stamping on his hands, and I think that's the whole, yeah. like, he won't be able to get the sharpshooter on um, because he's, he's done that, which is storytelling. Yeah. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this. It's a good way to start. I just, yeah. I, I, think I, I think I just wish this maybe meant more or it was for a bell or like yeah. you say there, if there was somewhere down the line where they went again, I'd like to see mm. it. Yeah, it's a, it's a good match. It's very well laid out, very well executed. I always thought with Brett, you know, they, they refer to him or they've always referred to him as a, like a smaller guy. Um, I'm sure in normal life terms, he's, he's anything but a small guy, but, you know, compared to some of the guys he's in there with, mm-hmm. I always thought that it was never unbelievable that he would beat anyone. Um, which, you know, given the size difference in, in some matches is, is something to achieve because he, you know, he looks so good at, at everything he's, he's executing and things like that. Um, he can work as the underdog. Um, but do it always looking like a threat to win the match. Um, which I don't know that that many smaller guys, um, I suppose Shawn Michaels would be an obvious other one, but not that many have maybe been all that convincing doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you sort of walk away at times thinking, well, you know, 
stupid as it sounds, if this was real, that guy's destroying that guy. You know, there's there's no contest there, but somehow Brett always made it believable. Mm-hmm. Oh, aye, hundred percent. And you see that from the way that, like, I think you know, across this paper view, you see the way, the way that he wrestles. You can see that um, these these stories about Stu Hart's dungeon and all that. He probably he can do these moves for real, as far as holds and, and that sort of thing are concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, finish to this match, I think we get it's kind of abruptly appears from nowhere sort of thing. Razor's going for a back suplex for the top rope and um, Brett sort of pulls himself around, lands on top of him and gets a quick one, two, three. Yeah. Um, and that's us. That's Brett through after, you know, that's a, a difficult first match and uh, to, to be seeing Brett three times, it's a shame not to see Razor Ramon again, but um, I yeah. a, good, a good start. Yep. yep. Um, after that, we see some footage, I think, from Superstars. Or, I, I didn't really understand the, the significance of showing this, but um, I, we see Mr. Hughes attacking The Undertaker and Paul Bearer, and he steals the urn from, from them. And yeah, I, I didn't really get the significance of showing that because I assumed The Undertaker was going to get involved in this match. Yeah, I didn't know if it was purely because of how they execute the finish, um, because the urn comes ah, right, into okay. play that, that, that makes in sense. the finish. But it, it does seem like quite a. They surely didn't just do it for that, but um, I know Mr. Hughes and Giant Gonzalez had the same manager. Um, Harvey Whippleman, yeah. Um, so that they've obviously, I assume, on TV had an alliance on the go. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it, it seemed like quite a lot to show, just to make it clear why they had the urn when they when they came down the ringside. It kind of made me think. All oh, right, the Undertaker's not on this pay per view. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What an odd trio that is, eh? Mister Hughes, Giant Gonzalez, <laughs> and Harvey Whippleman. What, yeah. What do you think of Mister Hughes? <laughs> I mean, he's he's a big guy. Um, I, 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 yeah, I don't. I was I was never impressed by him from what I remember. Um, yeah, he 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 didn't didn't show me much here, to be honest. It only occurred to me about three quarters of the way through this match that the shades were still on. That's pretty impressive. That. <laughs> and, I, don't... I mean, if I was tearing a bit like that, and I was that size, and a shirt and tie, and oh no, shirt and Suspenders and um, trousers, I think. I'd be sweating my ass off, but it looked pretty good. I mean, yeah, he's uh, in terms of the way he was, he was dressed, you know, immaculate. But um, yeah, I was, I was quite uh, surprised. I was watching this going in a little bit cold. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't realise that Mr. Perfect, we were in an era where he was a baby face. No, nah, same. How, uh, how old is that to hear him getting cheered? I know, and I know it. It can only have lasted so long. I think by this point, he's he'll have had the match where he basically was at a loser leaves WWE match against Ric Flair, um, which ah, is basically right, yeah. the the storyline uh, explanation for for Flair being released and allowed to go back to WCW. Um, and I, I imagine they he's probably been babyface ever since he turned on Flair and aligned with. Uh, savage, um, but it is strange. He, he's he's supposed to be a heel. Aye, it's Mister Perfect. Yeah, he's supposed to be arrogant and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, aye. 
So this is our second King of the Ring quarterfinal. Yeah. Mr. Hughes with Harvey Whippleman versus Mr. Perfect. Don't let you say it. a huge pop for Perfect. It's just so odd. He come, did you notice this? He comes in the ring and he throws his towel behind... You know, he does this sort of throw behind the back of his yeah. towel and it lands perfectly on Mr. Hughes' shoulder. Yep, I did. How good is that? Yep. You couldn't plan that. It looked absolutely amazing. Um, probably the best thing in this match, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, um, I I felt like the entire match, Mr. Hughes was kind of just going for like rest holds and stuff like that. <laughs> I think there was the odd big, there was one big boot that I put in my notes that looked like it sh- it could have taken Mr. Perfect's yes, head off. I've got the same note. Yep. Um, I thought he looked fast coming off the ropes. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It, it, do, do you know this? This was the match where I realised. I think I've written it down here. I've brain's coming out with some weird one-liners. Um, <laughs> and it's later down the line I realise it's, it's JR not selling these one-liners that's kind of taken away from it. And um, something that... It, it's kind of the way that JR's commentating. He's doing that sort of... I think you've mentioned it before when we've been talking about it. It's kind of like presenting it as a, a, a real sports yeah. um, event. Mm-hmm. He's talking about Mr Hughes... I think he's talking about him being an American football player in college or something like that. Meanwhile, yeah. this guy's in the ring wearing shades and fucking suspenders and that, <laughs> looking yeah. like a bodyguard. And it's like, it, it just doesn't, that's where it doesn't mesh at all. It's yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't fit. And I think I can see, you know how in WCW days when JR was there, I think most things were presented more as athletic contests. It, it fitted what, what he was talking about uh, a bit. Yeah. WWE here is still pretty cartoonish. Yeah. Um. I, I, yeah. It just doesn't fit. It's. Uh, I. I've got to imagine that Vince has made a decision pretty quickly, given how you know off and on Jr. is in terms of the the shows he he covers. That he's he's maybe not quite getting it in terms of what he needs from him yeah. at this point. Because I'm not going to say it ruined the show. I still enjoyed the show, but I think it would have been better with a different announced team. Aye, no, I totally agree. Um, I've written here that Mr. Perfect's going for the Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam 2005 selling. <laughs> There's times where yeah. he's just like a little bit over the top. He is a wee bit over the top. Um, yeah, I've, we get um, that. There's like a little mini interview with Bret Hart during oh, this match. Awful. It's so weird. And uh, they're obviously, I think what they're doing is they're trying to lay the groundwork for making perfect a little bit of a heel uh-huh. in their their match between each other that's coming up. So they basically have Bret Hart asked who he would rather face uh, of the two. And he kind of loosely indicates he'd, he'd rather face Mr. Perfect. Um, but he says something like, because, you know, he's a wrestler and I, and I respect him. Yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, he'd rather face the wrestler than the power and all that kind of thing. But he does say it in a really respectful way, and then they they, they will twist that down the line um, a little bit. Just, mean gene just stirs it right up. He loves stirring things up. Um, yeah. We've got uh, Bobby Heenan saying that Brett is the fourteenth of thirteen children. <laughs> is this <laughs> but what, I, is this what he, does it, he also says the one two three thing. He sets the yeah the hotel wake up call for one two three so he can kick out. And Savage says, "Hmm, that's not useful information right now." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're just not selling his gags. <laughs> um, 
I think it's in this this match as well that um, Keenan's pushing him f- for who's going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, or is it is it in the Brett versus Perfect? I can't remember. Might be the Brett Perfect. Who's yeah. going to win this whole thing? Um, Savage says Perfect. JR says I don't know, and he says, "Well, you're of, you're of course of course you're from Oklahoma." And JR just <laughs> completely no sells that and starts speaking about college credentials or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Mr. Hughes decides he's had enough of this wrestling malarkey. Picks up the art and smashes Mr. Perfect over the head with it. <laughs> it does seem, and we've, you know, I've seen this a few times on other shows that the, the person gets, you know, to, to the end of their tether really suddenly. <laughs> and it's like, I just can't do this anymore. Right. I'll, I'll hit him with the art and that's it. <laughs> Perfect goes down. DQ, Mr. Perfect goes through. So um, that sets us up nicely for Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect, of course. Yeah. Um, so backstage, with we're with uh, that that man, Mean Gene Oakland. He's with Mr. Fuji and Yokozuna. Uh, the reference, well, Mr. Fuji references uh, WrestleMania Nine. Says that Hulk Hogan cheated, which does not make sense at all. Because it's Mr. Fuji that challenges Hulk Hogan uh, after he's def- after Yokozuna's defeated Bret Hart. But anyway, um, Big Yoko though, he says America will go down. Yep. And then shouts Banzai, which which are waiting for. But yeah, I don't remember Yokozuna sp- speaking apart from. No, me neither. I, I, yeah, um, I I always thought. He he didn't really, and uh, Mr. Fuji was a mouthpiece, but he's obviously got just little bits and pieces uh, during promos. That's, I mean, he's such a... I think Mr. Fuji actually says he's, he's even bigger now than he was at Mania. Mm-hmm. And the size of him is absolutely terrifying yeah, in, a, in a lot of ways. <laughs> I loved Yokozuna. Yeah, so did I as a kid, I, I, and I genuinely used to look and think, "What? Well, how? How actually could somebody beat him?" Yeah, um, it's not like yeah. a, it's not like a big show sort of scenario where they push this massive guy right to the top. Um, don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, I, I feel like Yokozuna was massive, but believably massive in this world of wrestling. But, you know, like what I suppose what I'm trying to say is he moves well. Mm-hmm. And he does genuine wrestling moves, and he's not just like what Andre the Giant was like in sort of later years, where he's just punching and people are falling over, or yeah. like Big Show sort of thing, where um, he almost became a sort of silly character. Like Yokozuna was terrifying, and he was big. Yeah. And he could move. I think that's the the, the really in, terrifying thing was the way he moved, and I think that's the thing that made his sort of later years a bit sad because he he, he lost that. Mm. Uh, they started putting him in, you know, tag matches and things like that because somebody else would have to do quite a lot of the work for him. Um, but at, at this stage, and you know, uh, um, from memory, I think at WrestleMania ten as well, he could still move, um, mm. and that makes him just look almost like unbeatable. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, do we do we have a Hogan? Have I missed that? Here? I do think a- there's a Hogan promo later. Ah, right, okay. Uh, I think. Um, okay, so we go to our next qualifying quarterfinal match for King of the Ring. Um, from, from, I'm going to get this wrong. From Newsbury Park, New Jersey? Is that made up? Is it Newsbury? Um, Maybe. May- oh, whatever. 
Bam Bam Bigelow, The Beast from the East, um, another sort of underrated favourite of ours, I think. Um, yeah. Against the, uh, I've got to be careful to say, against Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Asbury Park. Asbury Park, is it? Yeah, I remembered it from the ECW days because they used to they used to say that when he was there as well. Nice. <coughs> um, right, I'm going to preface what we say about Hacksaw before we we start speaking about him. I think I think I've seen recently that he's been going through like bad health and um, yeah. quite serious health conditions and that sort of stuff. We're not talking about the actual man. Yep. Right. That said, fuck me. How annoying, how annoying is this character? Oh, I have a few things in my notes here that aren't overly complimentary. I mean, it doesn't, I, I know Bam Bam was uh, also quite like freaky agile for a guy his size, mm-hmm. but he looks a lot more agile than Duggan, which oh, just seems, seems, you know, seems strange when you look at the two of them. But Aye. Duggan, I don't know, he kind of looks out of shape. Um, he's a big guy. He obviously is a, a big guy. And I thing is, I remember liking him as a kid. Of course you, know? you do. Aye, aye, of course. Um, I, I just, I think by now I'm even... It's his face, his facial, sorry, it's his facial I, expressions. I feel like he, he's comedy all the way through a match, regardless of what's going on. And exactly. that's annoyed me. Aye, exactly. Um, uh, yeah. I think that's what it is. I think you're right. Like, especially with how Bam Bam Bigelow is. Mm-hmm. Like Bam Bam Bigelow looks like he wants to kill the other guy. Yeah. And this fanny with his stupid facial expressions tearing about shouting ho and it just doesn't mesh at all. It's really odd. It's like two different eras of wrestling. Yeah. And I, I think in my mind, he, by this point, he just shouldn't be there anymore. And I think <laughs> he probably isn't there all that much longer because I know he... In the early Hogan WCW years, he's one of the people that he, you know, gets a job for and stuff oh, like really? that. Yeah, um, finally heard, uh, uh, basically admitted by um, uh, Bischoff on one of his podcasts that where Hogan did at times play his creative control was on guys that he got them to bring in. Right. Um, it, and the story was basically about it's beefcake but beefcake makes sense too but uh, the, you know there were a few others mentioned and Duggan was one of them uh, basically got a job because Hogan was there um, so yeah he, he, I think he's he's past his his, his peak um, hmm. but he's still he's still got a good crowd reaction uh, um, that's the thing you can imagine him going over brilliantly in how, uh, how shows mm-hmm. um, sort of the older Territory system, you can imagine the crowd going mad for him. Yeah. He's interactive, isn't he? Uh-huh. To sit and watch on the telly. <laughs> now, as a nearly 40 year old man, I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, it was the same. Yeah, I, 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 it just it made me not enjoy the match at all because yeah. I, just, I just wanted it to be over and I yeah. wanted to move on. And you, the th- that's the thing, we know, we know that Bam Bam's going through, let's mm-hmm. just get this over with. Um, I I've got barely any notes apart from Christ Duggan is annoying. I think he must be Eugene's dad. Um, and then I've got the finish. Duggan goes for the three-point stance, misses, and Bigelow hits this amazing flying headbutt. Mm-hmm. Like this, seeing the size of him going through there, it's just amazing. It, yeah. it almost looks unreal. Uh huh. I always thought they they could have made more of Bigelow, and I think there's maybe. There's again, you know, just referencing other podcasts, it might have been a Pritchard one where 
he sort of referenced that he was at times his, his own worst enemy. Um, really? Uh, in terms of what he was willing to do and uh, things like that, and it just uh, at times, by the sounds of it, put a little bit of a, a sour taste uh, in people's mouths, and then they they just kind of stopped wanting to put him in the positions. Um, yeah, but because he's he's I remember as a kid like being blown away by this guy, and he he had this ridiculously cool look, um, and an absolute badass look, and he, the way he could move and things like that. I was that like he was one of my favourites. Yeah, um, it's like he was created to appeal to a kid's sort of mm-hmm. sense of imagination with the flames and the yeah. tattoos on his head. He's yeah. massive and he can fly through the air. Yeah. Um, before we finish with this match, what was your thoughts on the bed sheets in the crowd that said Bam Bam Pigolo? <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it's the kind of thing you see and you laugh and you think, you know, Somebody's probably been so proud of themselves <laughs> coming up with that. Um, yeah, and I always think, uh, I always wondered, you know when you see signs and they're like really cool and things like that, that have they been planted? Have, they, have you know, the company come up with that and and thought, yeah, put that there. But then you see these and you think, nah, this, <laughs> this, is, this is somebody's best ever plan. And, uh, and they've, they've had their moment of glory by getting it seen on camera. And here we are. Nearly 30 years later talking about that. So, <laughs> mission accomplished. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this is where we go. This is sort of like the down point of this pay-per-view. We go to the, the backstage and we've oh got God. the red fucking rooster, Terry Taylor, <laughs> with the smoking guns and the Steiners. Oh, uh, what, what was this? So we've got <laughs> Billy and Bart. How crazy is it that Billy Gunn's still wrestling and, and he was on this here? Uh, and I, I thought the guns seemed so wooden, like both of them. And I don't know that Bart ever quite got past that. But, you know, you think about Billy when he had uh, Road Dog next to him. Mm-hmm. Anything but wooden. Um, mm-hmm. But at this, I found this all just really, like, awkward. Aye. But it's, it was Teddy Taylor. He's awful. I don't know why they decided to make him their... Maybe Sean Mooney had... Mm. Something else to do that day or something, but I, I've yeah. got here three god awful promos by uh, the smoking guns and Scott Steiner's just like, I mean, he doesn't bring up any mathematics at least, but he's, he's all over the place. But then they give the they give the mic to to Rick Steiner and you're just like, yes, yes, just do that because he was cool. And he started barking and shouting and, and all that. So. I was listening to uh, Jeff Jarrett's podcast earlier today. It sounds like all I do is listen to podcasts, but you know, working from home, it's, it's that's just what you do. Um, and he was talking about the Steiners, and he was talking specifically uh, at, at a point about Scott Steiner and the maths and the odds of winning uh, promo, which <laughs> it, it's just like, it's this really weird, it's really funny, but you just wouldn't expect it to come from him. Yeah, it's it, it got me. It really did get me, and I, I don't know that I'd ever heard it before. Um, but they they played it. They they played pretty much all of it, I think. Right. Um, and apparently, Jarrett uh, had had been asked, oh, "Do you want to know what's going to be in Scott Steiner's promo?" And he's like, "No, no, no, it's fine. Just let him do it." And uh, he said, "Of all the things that he imagined it could have been, that that was just not nowhere near his thinking." But he thought it was brilliant as well. Oh, uh, that's 
Yeah. Did they say if it was scripted or did they say that that was all Scott Steiner? So it, it was all Scott Steiner and apparently he used to do these random things at times when they were just driving from town oh, to town. I love that. Love just sit, stuff like that. Uh, sitting in the car, he would just come out with these things, but he said he'd never quite heard him come out with anything like that before. But yeah, as far as he's he's aware, it was all his own work. Brilliant. That's <laughs> yep. class. So, so the, the smoking guns and the Steiners are set to take on the Hedge Shrinkers and Money Inc. later on in this pay-per-view. Um, yeah. We'll talk about that then, but yeah, don't you don't need to you don't need to get promos for everybody. No. Um, <laughs> our next quarterfinal match, the final one, yeah, um, yeah. final final quarterfinal match of the King of the Ring is the narcissist Lex Luger taking on Tatanka. Um, yeah. I was not looking forward to this match, Adam, but I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, I was never a I've never really been a Luger guy. Um, I could enjoy Tatanka, but you know, I thought I thought he was fine. You know, it's it got a really weird um, physical shape to him, Tatanka. It's like looks in good shape, but he's like incredibly. I don't know. Is the is the right word thick? Thick. Thick's the word I would use as well. Yep. Yeah. Um, every time I see him, I'm like, it just it almost takes me by surprise. Um, yeah, but they talk up the fact they're both undefeated. Yes. Um, which is obviously adding... A bit, bit, uh, bit foreshadowing there. Yeah, yeah. this is going. <laughs> um, and I think they're, they're both guys that they're trying to protect to some extent. Yeah. Um, I know we talked about this before, but I don't think we're all that far away from uh, Lex Luger's babyface turn with the slamming Yokozuna on, on the boat and then... Uh, Ending up getting in the title picture and on his bus touring around all the towns and things like that. Yeah, it's quite odd how he, how he goes. I think it was about three episodes of Raw after this pay-per-view where it was the Body Slam Challenge. Right. Um, yeah, it's quite odd how he goes from this guy that's in love with himself in the mirror to going to Mr. America all in, in red mm-hmm. and white, but um, obviously that coincides with Hogan leaving and, yeah. uh, and all that sort of stuff. But I quite like this version of Luger, I like the whole titanium plate in his arm thing which I think was a real thing that actually happened to him, oh, right, I think okay. he'd been a motorbike accident um, and he'd, he'd had a steel plate put in his arm and he'd obviously used it as part of his gimmick which I quite liked and I, I, I liked that as that sort of way of taking down Yokozuna mm-hmm. um, which is what they used, so so they make a big thing that the referee here is a Got an elbow. He's got an elbow pad for him to put on, despite it being his forearm. <laughs> um, yeah. But they won't start the match until he wears this, and and he's not happy about it at all. Luger, he's. I don't think he's the best at the sort of um, character-based stuff. Do you? No. Um, I mean, he, he he always looked unbelievable, um, and I always thought he's he was never a baby face. You know, he is a heel, but he's he's maybe. I, Maybe best if he'd had, you know, I think they hinted at, at times Bobby Heenan uh, speaking for him, but it never, I don't think it ever went full blown in in that direction. Um, I think if he'd had a really good heel manager with him and doing a lot of the talking for him, uh, that probably would have would have helped quite yeah, a lot. I agree with that. Cornette came in just after this period to work with Yokozuna. Um, right. Cornette would have worked with yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I. I I got about halfway through this match and then I realised what was going to happen. Right. Um, and it, when I, once I realised that they were going to the time limit draw, 
I suddenly realised how knackered Luger looked. <laughs> About I don't know. So it's a fifteen minute, isn't it? A fifteen minute time limit. Yeah, yeah. I think ten to twelve minutes in, I was like, oh, he is like bright red. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the announcers start mentioning the time limit as well, uh, which is usually an indicator that um, you you might be heading towards a draw. And and given the number of matches that they're trying to fit in on this pay per view, like it's something we'd have to give somewhere a double count out disqualification, uh, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, and and also it plays into the story that, that we're being given with Bray about you know like basically him going through the fire sort of thing mm-hmm. to get to the it's, final. It's very similar to what they they actually did for that WrestleMania title tournament that we talked about a few weeks ago, yeah. where you're you're stacking the deck by clearing the path for the heel. Um, so yeah, uh, obviously the the winner of this match is slated to face Bam Bam Bigelow in the semi-finals, um, and uh, yeah, we're we're obviously heading towards a draw, which puts Bam Bam straight into the the final. So. Uh, so they get the, they go to the time limit draw and then Lex grabs a microphone and does a kind of face thing where he said five more minutes. Yeah, but then he just takes the elbow pad off and smashes the tank over the head of it anyway. Yeah, do, do you know when he started talking about the five more minutes? I thought, is this like the start this, of uh, just a little bit of a baby face turn? And but no, no, it wasn't. <laughs> nah, not at all. Um, so I think I think. I think I, I would say this is a, a pay per view. Mm, I was going to say two halves, but it's almost three thirds. Um, that was kind of like the start. I'd say yeah. we went the second third here. Um, we get an absolutely classic interview segment with Mean Gene, Bret Hart, and Mister Perfect. Um, we spoke about this before. I think when we were talking about Intercontinental Champions, maybe. Yeah. Um, I think it was that, or it was maybe a WCW pay-per-view where Kurt Henning and, and Bret Hart have a match. Yeah, yeah either, that's either way, right, it's yeah. a, a brilliant interview segment with the both of them. They're both faces, um, and Mean Gene, like you said, is stirring the pot as far as Bret. You said, didn't you say that you would like to? Didn't you say that sort of thing? Well, well, what I, what I said was, <laughs> <laughs> and then they start talking about whose dad could have beat. <laughs> Dad, I mean, Gene, uh, he, he stirs the pot at the start, then he gets annoyed with them for bickering with each other, despite <laughs> him starting it, and then he's the one that asked if their dads ever faced each other. Yep. He's, oh, he's, he's some character, Mean Gene. Listen, never forget what Mean Gene did to Dean Malenko. Uh, yeah, fair point. Man is a piece of shit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we got a wrestling classic. On our hands yeah. here, Brett and Mr. Perfect. Um, first thing I noticed here, it's quite weird seeing Brett come out with no shades. Yeah, yeah. I, I wondered if he would do one for every match, but he didn't. Um, yeah, it's obviously just, I assume, match one where he gave away the shades. Um, I feel like <laughs> could probably spend a whole yeah. hour talking about this match. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's like... Like heaven for us. Um, both these two just have absolutely perfect chemistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if ever you want an Iron Man match or something like that, these two would be would be great for it. Yeah, I, I, I loved I, I love watching both of them in in terms of individual matches, but the two of them together, it's just it's just special. Um, you don't you don't normally get that level of chemistry. It's um, 
it's obviously two guys that know what they're trying to do inside out. They're they're so skilled in terms of what they're trying to execute, but the way they play off each other is just brilliant. And you know, they you go into this as baby face, baby face, but perfect. They're they're clever enough to have perfect doing these little heel things during the match. Yeah, um, that that just builds up that little bit of heat. Um, without it going too over the top. Um, you know, he can walk away from this, and we'll talk about that towards the end, but he can walk away from this still as a baby face. But in the actual in-ring action, he's playing just enough of a heel to, to get the heat. Yeah, yeah it's a little, little similar to what Brett was doing at SummerSlam 92. Yeah. Um, where he's doing these little facial expressions and playing the crowd just that little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really know where to go with this match because there's so much in it. Yeah. It'd be a lot to, yeah, because I, I think probably because I was enjoying it so much rather than breaking it down from move by move, I've got things like ec- excellent sequence of holds, slams, counters, kicks, you know, there's just so much going on. Um, and we've got, I think there is a point where, uh, like, there's like things like st- stand and drop kick by perfect, but just looks ridiculously smooth, uh, when he executes it. Um, we do have little seeds of things like, JR talking about how the King of the Ring winner will have to be the number one contender for the title. Just, uh, you know, underlining the, the sort of importance of the tournament mm-hmm. and, and getting the win. Um, I don't know if we mentioned this at the start, but I know it was, it's been said, I don't know if it's ever been confirmed that Brett gets this as like, a, almost like a consolation for, for what happened after uh, or around and after WrestleMania nine. nine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they, they're trying to keep him as a top guy without him currently having the belt or being in the title picture. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, the more you can underline the importance of the tournament, the more it'll seem like a, a big triumph when he wins it. Um, but then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll touch on where things go from, from that point onwards once we get near the end. Yeah. There's a spot in here that I don't think I, you know, I watched a lot of wrestling in our time. I don't ever remember seeing this exact spot being done before and again. Um, perfect goes for the perfect plex with Brett, with Brett's back to one of the ropes, and Brett reverses it and suplexes him out the ring. Yeah, they both go out the ring, and and Brett maintains the hold, and they're still in the sort of suplex hold position when they land on the floor. Uh-huh. Um, it just looks, it looks sore, but it looks amazing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, the just the skill level, the timing, everything these guys have got is, is just really impressive. We do get as well the, the, the mentions of what you talked about earlier, where uh, Brett tries to lock in the sharpshooter. Uh, Perfect grabs the fingers that Brett has had stamped on previously uh, and they're taped up and the announcers have mentioned that they're taped up um, and it's it's just keeping that storyline on the go of well you're having to win multiple matches here in a night and you potentially have to just find a different way of doing it um, which which I liked thought it played well into the story yeah same and it's you know like it's a little thing that's um, important as far as storytelling is concerned, it doesn't need to be a flying whatever um, for yeah. it to be impactful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Finish to this one. 
again, it's kind of like the razor finish uh, in that it's a a reversal and a, and a roll up. Um, mm-hmm. I think perfect goes for the small package, and and Brett kind of shimmies it over, reverses it, and rolls it over, and, and gets a three. Yeah, um, it was it was nicely executed. Uh, perfect has after their I think it's at that perfect plex suplex spot where they go out onto the floor. Perfect's the first one back into the ring, but he's he's selling an injury uh, as Brett makes his way back in. And uh, perfect, it seems, has maybe been faking the injury because he immediately goes for the the, the cradle roll up, um, which Brett then reverses. Um, so again, without being overly heelish, just a little hint of heel by by perfect faking injury, and then trying to take advantage. But um, yeah, I, I thought they yeah they just executed the match brilliantly, and I was so like excited to watch it. Um, when I knew we were watching this, I knew they faced each other yeah. uh, during this pay-per-view and it just gives you that enthusiasm for watching it. 100%. Um, it made me want to watch their match for SummerSlam 91 to compare, but I didn't mm-hmm. um, because I thought I'd stick that in the back pocket in case mm-hmm. of a future pick. <laughs> yep. um, and we get perfect giving him, he's enraged after it, he's annoyed, um, yeah. but then we get the handshake. Yeah. yeah, again, just quite quite well done because he should be annoyed. He's lost. This is an opportunity for him to win this tournament. Um, they kind of have words, but perfect in the end offers the handshake. Um, I, I just imagine that Mean Gene's furious. All all his hard work has been ruined because <laughs> they've they've shaken hands at the end of this. <laughs> Talking to Mean Gene, we go straight to him, <laughs> and he's with. Well, we get a camera shot of an airbrushed picture of Hulk Hogan, a really odd airbrushed picture of Hulk Hogan, um, which as it pans out is on the back of Jimmy Hart's blazer. Um, We get a pretty impassioned promo from Hogan talking about everything you'd expect Hogan to be talking about. Um, A lot of mentions of America. We're obviously in the... We're we're still in the, the Vince... America versus the world territory as far as Yokozuna being a, a foreign heel, so there's a lot of mention of that. Um I don't honestly I don't remember Jimmy Hart managing Hogan. Yeah, so it, it kinda started um when Hogan came back to be Beefcake's partner at Mania Nine. Right. Um a- apparently at the time Jimmy Hart was doing a lot of the oh, what do, I think they affectionately refer to it as weed carrying uh, for Hogan. Uh, but you like in real life is doing a lot of the management responsibilities for him. He like books his hotels and transport and stuff like that. So they wanted to align them so that basically whatever town Hogan's going to, Jimmy Hart's going to it with him. Right, um, okay. And then uh, they, cause I think he'd been with Money Inc, Jimmy Hart mm-hmm. uh, up to that point. And they basically have a, a situation where Money Inc turn on Jimmy Hart. And I think Beefcake and Hogan like save him basically right, make yeah. the save and he's he's been aligned with him since then so probably just before Mania 9 um, he's, he's been aligned with him and I think he starts off aligned with him when he goes to WCW as well ah, okay. <clears throat> that makes sense cool um, so yeah halfway through the show and we're getting our, our title match um, don't know what that says about what's happening here as far as Hogan's concerned Yokozuna the title King of the Ring um, we know that this is Hogan's last match in the WWF until 2002 yeah um, crazy 
it's, it's, it is, when you messaged me saying that, it just seemed like such a, a long period of time. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And uh, I noticed they, they mention Hogan has slimmed down to use his speed. <laughs> um, I, I assume there's, there's many reasons Hogan would have had to slim down. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when being spotlighted again by WWF, um, <clears throat> but I thought it was really noticeable just how slim down he was. Did you? I didn't notice. Did you not? No. I, I don't know when. I, maybe I was remembering him from like that WrestleMania four when he was huge, mm-hmm. um, and you know maybe if you watch him gradually over the years, it's not as noticeable. But I thought I thought it was pretty, uh, pretty clear. That's interesting. So so the plan. So depending on who you believe, um, depending on whether it's Bret Hart or Hulk Hogan or others, um, the plan was for Bret, sorry, the plan was for Hogan to go film Trouble in Paradise TV show after this pay-per-view. I think the the expectation was that Trouble in Paradise was going to be pretty big. I think it was from the same people that produced Baywatch. Yeah, uh, and I think they thought that Hogan was off to go be a huge star. Um, Bret Hart was under the impression that after WrestleMania Nine, Hogan had said to him, "I owe you one, and I'll do the same for you." Um, and back behind the scenes, Hogan and Bret Hart had uh, done a photo shoot of them both grappling with the championship belt. And the plan was to set them up for a match at SummerSlam. Um, that obviously doesn't happen because this is Hogan's last match with the WWF, like we've just said. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it's a really odd thing, but it, what it sounds like from, certainly from Brett's uh, account of things, it just sounds like Vince has basically lied to them both. Um, and it's come back to, to bite him on the ass a little bit. Yeah. It's a shame. It is, it is a shame, but I think... So what happened... Let's talk about this match, and then we'll talk about what happened between Brett and Hulk after that, actually. That makes okay. sense. Okay. Um, what did you think of this match, Hulk Hogan versus Yokozuna, for the, the title? I, I, I didn't hate it. I, I enjoyed it fine. Um, I, I, I never... You know, I, I've probably well certainly compared to when I was a kid, I've, I've soured on on Hogan a fair bit, no. and you know, you you kind of see, um, we well, hear about the playing politics and things like that, and you know, you, you you maybe as you grow up see that he's not the best worker in the ring and things like that, and a lot of that didn't matter. To be fair, he's Hulk Hogan. Um, let's face it, he he drew, you know, so many people. To, to watch the business in, in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tried to keep that in my memory because I was one of those, those people, you know, I, uh, to be honest, when I was a kid, if there was a show that didn't have him on it, I probably would have been really disappointed in that. Um, Yokozuna, like you, I was, I was a fan of. Um, he just, he was, he was so big and, and looked so dominant and was so agile, uh, especially for his size. Um, he had a, without having to, say an awful lot there was a charisma about him it, it just had this really watchable quality about him yeah. um so yeah i i um I, I didn't hate this um i think you know it's 
In terms of the quality of match, um, they've got you. I've, I've got in my notes. Yokozuna looks looks just very very big, very big. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think they mentioned. Did they mention five hundred pounds plus here? Yeah. Um, I don't know what he really was, uh, but obviously that's that's just massive. It's absolutely huge. Um, we've we've got him really dominating from a power point of view as well, and you know. Hogan, I think, given the size of Yokozuna, is quite happy to sell for him. Um, yeah. Certainly for, for chunks in the match. Yeah, um, that's what I've got in my notes. I, I've written here that Hogan does a really good job of making Yokozuna look great. Uh-huh. Um, there's a lot of selling. There's also the fact that quite a few times in the match he, he tries to power slam him, and he can't, mm-hmm. uh, which again adds to, well, who... Who can and who can beat this guy? Um, so yeah, I, I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, wasn't my favourite match on the card, but for, for what it was and, uh, you know, it, it being the, the, the type of finish that we'll talk about when we get there, I, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, what about you? Yeah, I'm the same. I think from a, obviously we've, we've just had our wrestling match, our technical wrestling mm-hmm. match. This is an entertainment spectacle. Um, I feel like these two, to me, are quite iconic to see together. <laughs> um, I don't think that Yokozuna uh, has a more iconic sort of rivalry than than this. And, and again, that goes back to probably watching these things over and over because they've only really faced each other twice, I think, WrestleMania mm-hmm. 9 and for a very short period in this. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like there's something iconic um, about seeing the two of them in the ring together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Similar, fairly similar to you. I quite enjoyed it, and the, the, the finish didn't really bother me that much, to be honest. I know like there's a lot of backlash with the finish at the time, um, yeah, and, and people sp- looking back on it. I wonder if it's one of those. If it had been like five years later, probably nobody would have batted an eyelid. Um, but maybe at the time, big show, people expect a a clean finish for your title match or something mm-hmm. like that, or something definitive. Um, and maybe it, it came across as a little bit silly, but I, I, watching it, I didn't feel like it did. I mean, they, they, they foreshadowed it to, to quite an extent because they, they talk right from the start about how many Asian photographers have been following Yokozuna around for days. Yeah. Um, and it was, when that was said, that was actually what triggered a memory in my mind about what was actually going to happen here. Cause yeah. before that, I couldn't actually remember how the match finished. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, um, they're, they're putting the idea out there, um, to, to make it believable enough that a photographer's going to end up on the apron, uh, during this match. Yeah. And that is, is, that is, well, a couple of things to mention before, before we go into that. Um, Hogan normally hulks up from taking somebody's finisher, but here it just, he sort of starts hulking up after basically taking a beating for the whole match. Mm-hmm. Um, and Yoko kicks out the leg drop as well. Yeah, um, which you know they're they're doing a really good job of putting Yoko over, despite the the slightly messy finish they go for. Because, like you say, Yokozuna's finisher is protected. Hogan doesn't hulk up from that, um, and the fact he kicks out the leg drop. I mean, how few people must have kicked out the leg drop? So I can tell you, Adam. Oh, okay. Only up until 1993, of course. Um, I think JR says he's the first person to ever kick out of the, 
Okay. The leg drop, but uh, Sid Justice kicked out of the leg drop at WrestleMania oh, 8. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's still big. It's, it's really big. Yeah. Um, so for the finish, we get one of these photographers getting a little bit uh, a little bit too, what should we say, excited and, uh, and, yeah. and climbing up onto the apron. This guy's clearly wearing a fake beard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Hogan goes over to him. Um, apparently, Jimmy Hart goes to grab his leg, which I, I didn't actually notice. Um, but that seems to be one of the big complaints about this whole thing is that Jimmy Hart kind of ruins it by grabbing the guy's leg. Yeah, um, a fireball comes from the camera, hits Hogan in the face. Awesome leg drop from Yokozuna. Yeah, one, two, three. Yeah, the is it Jr. that says the camera exploded. Um, and then you know, almost trying to play it off as this this isn't dodgy. This is just a very unfortunate situation. But um, I don't know how how whether anyone's buying that. That's actually watching and hearing yeah. that said. So so after the match, uh, Yoko's not done. He drags him over to the corner and hits a banzai drop, and yeah. uh, Bobby Heenan drops an absolute beauty. Hulkamania is dead. <laughs> And I'm kind of assuming from from a Vince McMahon point of view here, you know he's going away to do TV. You're probably thinking he'll come back because um, you know he's Hulk Hogan. Um, he'll he'll be back at some point, so it's probably a good way of basically writing him off for a lengthy period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, things didn't quite pan out that way. But, um, yeah, it 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 made Yokozuna look. Dominant, yeah, hundred percent. Apparently, it was Hogan's. The bands I drop afterwards um, was Hogan's idea. Apparently, okay, which is seems uncharacteristic mm. in some way. But, um, mm. So yeah, we've got a brand new champion, Yokozuna, and I think I want to say holds the belt for quite a long time. From from was this July straight through to WrestleMania ten? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it would be. Yeah. Um. So we go to the back with uh, Mean Gene again. He's with a very cocky uh, Alex <laughs> Ferguson chewing gum-esque uh, Shawn Michaels um, with his very imposing bodyguard Diesel standing behind me. And essentially Michaels uses this promo to put Diesel over. Uh, he gets a little bit mixed up talking about Mack trucks and diesel fuel and <laughs> all that sort of stuff. It's interesting yeah. seeing him cutting this promo here versus him, you know, like 1998 and the DX stuff and that. Yeah, I, I got what they were going for, but it wasn't a good promo. And he, yeah, he was a bit all over the place <laughs> with it. I assume he's he's maybe just not quite found his his character yet, uh, and having the confidence to to give his really you know cocky promos. Um, he also has quite a quite a dig at, at Hogan. Yeah. Um, yeah, which I wasn't sure if. Yeah, what, 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 like what the purpose of that was? It's quite odd, wasn't it? I mean, you know, Hogan's leaving, um, so there's nowhere that you can really go with that. Maybe this is where all the beef for that uh, overselling at that SummerSlam originated from. There you go. Aye. Mm. He describes Hogan as a dinosaur, and then he says, quite strangely, that Yokozuna gobbled him up like a Brontosaurus burger. <laughs> yeah. 
and uh, Mean Gene says, I think you've been watching a little too much Jurassic Park, which is also weird. How much Jurassic Park is too much Jurassic there's, Park? Yeah, there's no such thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I genuinely don't think they mention who shot Michaels' face in. No, I don't think they do. I didn't yeah. know um, until the match started. So. so, the crowd have been pretty excited up until now, now Adam, so we need them just to, like, hear... Have a take, piss break. Take them down a little bit. Go yep. get a drink. Calm <laughs> down. So here's the Steiners and the smoking gun taking on Money Inc. and the Head Shrinkers. Do you know that's do you know that um Rick Steiner doesn't even get tagged in, in this match? Really? Yeah. How old? This is an odd match, isn't it? I, I felt just like a, a way of getting some guys on the card. Mm. Um I, I dunno, I didn't get the impression I, I I got the impression from the commentators that there'd been something between the smoking guns and money ink and uh, I think they talk up the Steiners wanting to now get their hands on money ink and stuff like that but yeah, yeah it just all felt a bit uh, nothing really money ink the tag champions here though yeah I think so yeah and Billy Gunn what, what a waste to be assy on this this whole thing eh? yeah um, Billy Gunn actually rose up to be assy for the win um, but then I want to say Steiners get the title shot. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, like I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, like in terms of SummerSlam, if there's a tag title match um, and and kind of where they're going. But I get the. I don't think Ted DiBiase's going to be around too much longer. Right. Um, I think he he's basically decided from a like a family and a health and all that point of view that he, he needs to not be on the road. Mm. Um, and I remember the story being told, I think he'd had some issues with with drink, uh, maybe drugs, and basically, I, I, I think he basically decided that to, to save his, his marriage, he, he couldn't be a full-time wrestler anymore. Um, so I think he's, he's kind of maybe just about to be phasing himself out a little bit. Uh, it can't be too long after this. Or well, saying that we've still got, we've just got Diesel being introduced. So, so when did the NWO start? Like ninety five, ninety six. Uh, ninety six. Ah, okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah. a wee while yet before he's the yeah. the third man that they keep yeah. referring to him as. Yeah. Uh, this is an absolute nonsense match. I do like the head shrinkers. I like the gimmick of hitting them in the head does nothing mm-hmm. to them. I do like that. But apart from that, this was just like. Nah. Did you did you ever buy the smoking guns at all? Nah. Nah. I'm sure they, they, they had a, a little run with the tag belts and all that, did but they really? I, yeah, they just seemed like a nothing team to me. Felt like a different era. Um or like a like a, a down south tag team sort of thing. If you mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um yeah. Okay, this is weird. We go to Mean Gene oh. with Mr. Fuji. A, a jubilant Mr. Fuji, a happy and scary Yokozuna, and Jack Tunney. Who seems pretty happy as well. He does. Yeah. Um, basically, Mean Gene, he's a Hogan Mark, isn't he, Mean Gene? Yeah, yeah. He's like, Jack Tunney, what have you got to say about this? Jack Tunney gives zero fucks about what <laughs> happened to Hulk Hogan. Yep. And he congratulates Mr. Fuji and Yokozuna, and then basically... It's like that thing of like cropping somebody out a picture on Instagram. <laughs> the camera just sort of zooms in a wee bit, and he doesn't move. Um, yeah, and we get we get Mr. Fuji and Yokozuna 
celebrating, and I think they say something about the Prince of Japan or something like that. They're going to celebrate with him. Yeah, mean Gene questions if they're taking the belt with them to Japan, and they say no, they'll be keeping it here in America. It's it's a really weird segment. I I get the the celebrating heels. Um, I, I thought the, the whole Jack Tunney involvement was bizarre. I mean, quite blatantly, something untoward has happened in that match, but he couldn't care less. No. Um, even when pushed by Mean Gene, he's just <laughs> like, nah, nah, it's fine, it's all good. Can you imagine what JJ Dillon would have said to that? He'd have been all over that. But I'm so used to Jack Tunney, you know, at any sense of foul play, holding up the belt. You know, he, he, he did this in the, the Hogan Undertaker situation. He, he did it. Uh, he was certainly involved in it in the Hogan Andre situation. But nah, this is fine. This nah, is fine. He, he, yeah, he's, he's done. He's he's not even watching anymore. That was, the, that was the impression I got. <laughs> so we go straight to the ring and we get... <laughs> Right, that's me done. Um, Crush's amazing entrance music. <laughs> nice. Best thing about him. Mm, arguably. <laughs> yeah. So we've got... I always want to call him the Hawaiian Dream. He's absolutely not called that at all. <laughs> uh, Crush taking on Shawn Michaels with his bodyguard Diesel by side for the Intercontinental title. Um, and despite this being pretty bang average, I quite enjoyed it as well. Quite impressed with Crush. He he showed more agility than I thought he had. Um, like he, there's a couple of leap frogs in there. There's yes. a drop kick. Yep. Yeah. Um, and pre- uh, the military press up and down, up and down. There's a period of this match where he is just quite comprehensively out wrestling Michaels. Yes. Yeah. A, t- a tilt up little backbreaker. Yeah, it, it was surprising. And we're putting over, we're putting over <laughs> Diesel here as well. He's getting involved, pulling Michaels out the ring where he needs to, getting involved where he needs to when the referee's back's turned. Yeah. Um, and then we get the call back to WrestleMania Nine where we had the greatest wrestling match of all time, Crush versus Doink. Um, this is at the point where it was the Doink that's actually quite a good wrestler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is it Matt Bourne? Is that yeah. It? Yeah. yeah. Um, so really sinister. We get two doinks coming out. They're both smoking cigarettes and they start mimicking each other's uh, movements. Yeah. Um, with a I, view to distracting crush. Yeah. I, I liked this doink and these doinks. I like. I think that there was definitely a point where I was watching where you know he was just playing the silly, annoying clown. Uh, where I was like, I, nobody needs this. Nobody needs. But when it turns sinister, sinister, yeah. I really liked that. Yes. And that guy could wrestle as well. Yeah. Like genuinely yeah. wrestle. He was doing like German suplexes and stuff like that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Do you yeah. know who the other doink was? I don't. Skinner. Oh, was it? Okay. The, the, the guy that came out with him dressed as Doink. That, yeah. You know, there was the two of them. I don't, uh-huh. know, I don't know who the other Doink was later on. Yeah, um, when when it changed from being Matt Bourne. Yeah. And the guy could not wrestle as well as Matt Bourne. Maybe, maybe that was Skinner, I don't know. Yeah, possibly. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Doink distracts, crush. Michaels hits him in the back of the head with a super kick. I mean, yeah. if somebody's got a mullet like that, I didn't kick it. <laughs> Respect it, Sean. <laughs> Didn't expect anything from Shawn Michaels, I suppose. Um, he gets a one, two, three, and 
he's doing the sort of chicken shit heel sort of gimmick there, isn't he, Michael? Yeah, uh, I, I kept um, you know he he was involved a bit through the match, but I kept assuming uh, Diesel would be decisive to the finish because mm-hmm. I knew Michaels was going to keep his belt uh, but I didn't know going into this how, how the match would actually finish um, but I was a little bit surprised in the end when Doink came out because I, I just assumed given they'd been starting to build this Diesel character that he was going to be crucial to, to Michaels keeping his belt but in the end you know in terms of the finish he, he didn't he didn't have to get involved yeah and and Michaels at some point, must relinquish this title. I'm just thinking about the build to ladder match at ten. Yeah, um, so I don't, I don't know what the timeline looks like. But what happens is he he uh, legit fails a drug test, um, so he gets sent home for a while. Right. Um, they have him storyline relinquish the belt because he's been suspended. They don't say it's for drug thing but he's been suspended for his behaviour or something like that um, but apparently Vince uh, phones him and this this is this apparently the way it happened Vince phoned him and said we need you to send the belt back uh, because we're going to do a tournament to crown the new champion you'll get your shot at the new champion blah 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 that kind of, and uh, Michael's like I'm, I'm not sending the belt back <laughs> I'm not doing it so in the end they, they just get another belt um, and they have the tournament but it means that when Michael's comes back He's got. They've got the ready-made story. Of, well, I never lost. I never lost this belt. I've still got this belt. Um, and Razor has won the the tournament to to become the new champion, which which sets up that ladder match and that angle very very nicely. Wow! How many chances did that guy get? What an absolute dick! <laughs> I I just keep thinking. Imagine it was Marty Jannetty. <laughs> Just be fired. Send the belt back. Uh, no, I'm not doing it. All right, you're fired. <laughs> okay, we move on. Don't, don't bother, come back. <laughs> so, so when did they relinquish the title to Shane Douglas? Uh, yeah, Shane, Shane Douglas as, as the dean or whatever he was. Oh, I can't remember the timeline for that Then part. Razor came out and beat him in like 10 seconds. Do, do you know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah, I, I, that's a different team because that was that was when they got be. beat up by all those um, the, the bunch of guys from the force. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, winding them up. Yeah, guys are tech. So yeah, that was that was an alright match. I quite yeah, enjoyed yeah, the crush was... in this. Yeah, I think when he. <laughs> Sorry. I first saw it on the card and I saw Crush. I thought, uh, but he was better than I expected. Do you know what's funny as well? Here, Savage is a big Crush fan. Yeah. Uh, on commentary um, and of course something must happen between them Crush obviously turns heel between now and Wrestlemania 10 because they have quite an odd uh, Falls Count Anywhere match at Wrestlemania 10 don't they? Yeah I think it, it, it gets kind of built on the Raws I, I don't know why I remember this but um, they basically, I don't know if it's after this or, or after, maybe after SummerSlam um, not knowing who's in a, a programme with I assume it's still Doink at that point um, he he basically goes away for a while um, and then they, they start like having him on the phone and stuff during Raws and Savage is being all chatty with him and he's not really giving a lot back. Really? Um, and then it turns out he's he's basically had enough of Savage. He's had enough of his fans. They're not helping him get anywhere. Uh, and it, he kind of turns heel over these like little video segments. Wow, um, I love that you can remember that. That's amazing. 
and then there was a point where I went back and started watching the early Raws and it's one of those, you know, your eyes are, are bigger than your stomach moments where I thought I'll just watch all the Raws <laughs> uh, and then I ended up watching maybe about 10 <laughs> and then I thought, nah, I'll, I'll just leave it there. The quality <laughs> of the roster in about that time is, is crazy and the, yeah. the, there's a lot of um, matches on Raw that are just like enhancement talent yeah. versus uh, main guys to just kind of get them over, isn't there? It's actually in the early days. It's quite rare to have two big names facing each other mm-hmm. on a raw. Um, yeah, normally they're they're facing enhancement talents, and you know your your big stars like your Undertaker or your Bret Hart. They're they're not on every show. They're they're like a couple of months. You know that kind of thing. It's, yeah. it's just and the show only lasted like forty five minutes. Yeah. Um, it's it's just so different to anything modern day. It's better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we go to the back, and this is where I'm going to jump into my Hogan and Brett story. So apparently, in between the Hogan losing the title match and the final, Brett goes to Hogan's dressing room, and in there is Jimmy Hart, Hogan, Beefcake, obviously, yeah, and uh, Dave Hebner, and okay. Brett has decided that he needs to confront Hogan. Um, he says to him, I need a word. Uh, and nobody, you know, like the rest of them don't decide to move or anything like that, they just stay. Um, and he, I, th- I think basically he says to him, you told me that you owed me one. Um, you told me that you would put me over at SummerSlam for the title. Uh, now Vince is saying that you've said that you're, that I'm not in your league. This is what Vince has said to Brett, that Hogan said. <laughs> Um, and apparently Hogan just doesn't say anything. So Brett just sort of fires on. He says, on behalf of me, my family, and most of the boys in the locker room, you can go fuck yourself. Um, and what is it he says? He says something like, are you going to say Are you going to say anything? Um, and Hogan says, I can't. And he says, why? And he says, because you've just told me to go fuck myself. That's weird. Eh? Yeah, that, that that is weird. Like, do, do you think just just thinking about this and, and looking at this, he's, Brett's done this on this show, so like live basically, but we're not seeing it on camera. But mm. this is all happening like real time. Um, do you think Brett did not know the finish of the Hogan Yokozuna match until that point? I don't know. That's a good point. Because no I suppose if Hogan had retained, even though people know Hogan's going away, it would have left a window to potentially then have him drop it to Brett. Yeah. Um, but the, the fact he's done it basically after that match makes me wonder, maybe, maybe he didn't know that uh, Hogan would lose, would drop the belt to Yokozuna. Yeah, maybe. Because apparently Hogan and Yokozuna went on um, through the house circuit for a month or two after this. Right, okay. matches. Yeah, um, and, it, and it wasn't. I think around about this time, it wasn't strange for them to change, you know, like the belts over at house shows or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you need a camera backstage more than you do on mm-hmm. the wrestling. I think. Yeah, um, it's just such a bizarre thing. <laughs> so apparently, after this, Hogan had said to Brett that Vince had said that their match at SummerSlam would be a non-title match. <coughs> So Brett says he's talking nonsense. They'd went and got Vince, and Vince basically spun a lie. And uh, Brett says that he never trusts him again after that. Ironically, mm. this is only this is only nineteen ninety three, and yet 
<laughs> it still goes four more years and we know what happens. Yeah. Um, but Vince basically says, I never ever said it was for the title. So uh, okay. never trusted him again. So. Interesting. Because yeah. you, you hear quite a lot, it's said that um, Vince quite often maps things out to performers, but I, all, always with the caveat of, you know, that this this could happen. Things and change. then... And then the, the, the sort of story you hear from, you know, people like Bruce Pritchard is, well, he's, he's mapping out, uh, a possibility, but the wrestler hears what they want to hear within that. Um, it, it doesn't sound like it's that kind of situation. Um, it, it's so hard to know who, who's not who's telling the truth but whose account is most accurate yeah. of 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 what happened because i imagine there's there's bits and pieces of truth in all of them yeah. um yeah it's just, it's fascinating it really is um and hogan's got his own book and he's got his own account of it um as well and you know like in his story he's the hero of course <laughs> um, so yeah interesting that this is you know Brett's already wrestled two matches he's got another one and this is all going on in the background as well. Yeah. Um, and just to add to that, Brett went 30 plus minutes with Bob Backlund the night before in Madison Square Garden as well. Okay. Yeah. The guy's an absolute machine. Yeah. yeah. I remember they always talked about when, when he, I think when he first won the belt, so it would have been when uh, he won it from uh, Flair at a house show, um, they always talked on basically every show about how how many title defences he was doing and how much of a, a working champion he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it probably is the case that, you know, a, a guy like him was maybe on every house show, whereas uh, potentially Hogan, I would imagine Yokozuna w- were only on the big shows, you know. Um, I, I can't imagine Yokozuna was going every night. Um, mm-hmm. Could be wrong, could mm-hmm. be wrong. Uh, but... I know Hogan, you know, would do the what we refer to as like the A shows. Um, so if you've got a big arena, yeah. he, he'll be there to help sell it out. Yeah. Um, whereas I think Brett was like working basically every night, every show. Yeah, one of the interesting things about uh, that Death of the Territories book is exactly what you're saying there. They basically had an A and B squad, and they were they were sometimes taken. You would, they would take the A squads to basically the bigger markets, mm-hmm. the B squad. Uh, into some of the smaller towns and like school gyms and stuff like that. I found that really interesting. Yeah. So, you know, like compare that to now. Um, if they're doing like a tour of the UK or that, you'd expect them to have all their big stars. But um, yeah, I find that really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, back to the action where we're Gene again. He's a busy, busy man. He's almost as busy as Gordon Soley was on that. Um, <laughs> that pay-per-view we watched. He's with Bam Bam and he's fresh as a daisy. And very shouty. He's not the best promo in the world. Nah, another guy that maybe would benefit from a, a manager. Um, I think yeah. he had one at points over the years. Yeah. <clears throat> See, uh, it sounds like I'm like just hanging off cornets nuts, but I, 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 I think he was in, was Bam Bam in, I want to say there was something called Camp Cornet, and it had like Yokozuna. Oh, now it? this. Or was it Vader? This, this is ringing a bell. Owen and, Owen and Bulldog were in it. Yeah. I'm maybe mixing Bam Bam up with Vader. Possibly, yeah. But that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like that. Um, so here we are, King of the Ring final, final match of the night. Bam Bam Bigelow 
like we say, fresh as the daisies, had five minutes against that buffoon Jim Duggan. <laughs> um, Bret Hart is limping out to the ring quite visibly. Yeah, I, I was kind of waiting for a Bret promo, but maybe if he's like shouting at Hogan in his locker room, maybe that's uh, <laughs> that's why that isn't happening. I, I thought they would do one just before he went out to the ring, but uh, I was I, I was quite surprised watching it that there wasn't. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I never really thought about it, to be honest, but I, um, it would have fit, definitely. Mm-hmm. T- talking about what this means and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I say, Brett's Brett's limping out and he, he's looking pretty done in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I'll be honest with you. I don't have a huge amount of notes about this match because I was just really quite enjoying watching it. Yeah, it was good. I, I've got some. Uh, I can take you through some sure. of some of what I've got. Um, you know the the. Similar to some previous matches, Bam Bam's got the power, Brett's got wrestling and quickness. Um, Bam Bam dominating early on. Um, like there's a lot of selling by Brett across mm-hmm. this this pay per view. Um, so yeah, I've got Bam Bam's taking some liberties in the way that he throws Brett over the ropes to the floor, <laughs> uh, kind of launches him. Um, and we've got uh, Bam Bam then with a series of headbutts. And basically we've gone, like, you, you go five minutes of the match, Brett hasn't had any offence. Um, he's, he's just selling. Um, we've got big, a big impressive suplex by Bam Bam um, and a, a two count from that. Um, there's a, a point where the, the, the brawling kind of breaks out to the floor uh, and Brett gets, it's, it's almost his first offence in when he, he reverses Bam Bam, sends him into the guardrail. Um, and then comes off the apron, uh, but Bam Bam catches him and just puts him into the ring post. Uh, and I've got in my notes, Brett's offense lasted about 20 seconds. Yeah. Um, Bam Bam slamming Brett on the floor. And then, uh, Luna Vachon running down. Uh, she had been aligned. <laughs> she had been aligned with, uh, Bam Bam on quite a few of, of, uh, previous shows. Yeah. Uh, so she runs down the ramps and uh, hits Brett with a, a chair while Bam Bam is distracting the ref uh, in the ring. This I didn't remember this. Like going into this, I remembered Brett wins King of the Ring. Uh-huh. So this all like it's so many years since I've watched this show. Uh, Bam Bam with a a big slam goes up to the top rope and hits the flying headbutt, and I'm waiting for the kick out. Mm-hmm. Same. And there's no kick out. Yep. I, I was really confusing. It's like you expect to see something and you think, I've seen this before and I know what happens, but this isn't what happens. Yeah. And you think, bam, bam, big blows. Like, is, yeah. is that image in, that I've got in my head of Brett with a sort of daft <laughs> crown sort of hanging over his head? Is that is that wrong? Have I made that up in my head? Was it, was it the next year? What, what, what's going on? Um, but then we get another ref running down. Uh, I think it's Earl Hebner doing the running. Yeah, the running. Is, um, and is it Joey Morella? Is he the, it is, the yeah. yeah. So he's he's trying to tell Joey Morella that this uh, this chair shot took place and the refs are, are having a chat and then they, they, go, they go over to the Fink. Um, yeah, I mean, what were your thoughts about this this Finkel moment? Yeah. So, so we've spoke about this and so, so Fink says, the referee has reversed his decision! And Hebner has a fit. He turned round and he's throwing his arms at him and he's like, as if they go, no, you idiot! <laughs> yeah! 
I mean, I I assume this was this was a, a fuck up, or or was it? Do you think it was the way it was planned? I don't know. I don't know why it would be planned that way, but I quite like it. <laughs> I mean, I, I like the passion from from Earl Hebner. <laughs> Brilliant. So yeah, Fink gets it right in the end. The match is to continue. It's uh, he's not reversed the decision. The match must go on. So who, who is it? Heenan on commentary or Savage that keeps harping on about Finkel making the biggest mistake of his life? <laughs> I think it's going to be Savage. Yeah, I think like it is Savage. Because Heenan is more focused on how unfair this is. The uh-huh. referee's decision should be final. Um, so we've got uh, from there. Bam Bam is still dominant. Uh, Brett looks out on his feet. We've got a, a, a bear hug uh, by Bam Bam on Brett, then a, a backbreaker. Um, but Brett manages to squirm out of the, the backbreaker to, to then hit a, a suplex. Um, and I've got in my notes then, Bam Bam goes for what JR calls a big posterior drop. Um, <laughs> but I've, but Brett manages to, to get out of the way of that one. Um, another backbreaker by, by Bam Bam. But this time Brett nicely counters that into a sleeper. Nice. Um, and we're, we're heading towards the finish sequence that I, I, I now remember. And I'm thinking this does happen here. I, yeah. I, I remember it well now. Um, so we've got, a Brett drop kicking the back of, of Bam Bam, who's teetering on the ropes. Um, Brett, I've written, I don't know what I mean exactly here, but I've written slingshots himself over the ropes uh, to crossbody Bam Bam, who's who's out on the floor. Um, Brett with a a second rope flying clothesline uh, for for a two count. Um, Side rush and leg sweep. And it's it's all, you know, it's it's heading towards what you usually associate with a Brett finishing sequence. Yes. um, Which I liked because they kind of tease it. Side, side rush and leg sweep, uh, top rope flying bulldog on, on Bam Bam. Amazing. Uh, just executed brilliantly. Um, Brett tries to apply the sharpshooter, as he so often has, but Bam Bam's able to power out of that. Um, Brett goes for a, a suplex, but Bam Bam counters, lands on Brett. Um, that's for, for a two count. Um, I imagine, you know, for the size of him, given the way Brett's able to to perform some power moves on him, Bam Bam for a an opponent must be really light on his feet. Mm-hmm. He, he, just given how agile he is, he he must make it pretty easy for the opponent because yeah. he, he just looks such a big guy. Yes. But um, Brett's able to to do some moves that are almost looking like kind of manhandling him, um, which is I, I think you know a credit to Bam Bam and how light he he's able to make himself. Yeah, um, Bam Bam sends uh, Brett into the corner, charges in. Brett manages to get a tick, a kick, sorry, into Bam Bam's face, which spins him round. Um, and then the, the finish sequence, which I really like, um, Brett climbing on Bam Bam's shoulders and executing a, a victory roll for the pin win. Tremendous. Yeah. A tremendous finish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, good, good match. Um, again, Brett had to sell for the first big chunk of it, but that plays into the storyline. He's worn down. Bam Bam's fresh. Um, and in the end, Brett just, you know, outmaneuvers him, outwrestles him, uh, manages to get the win. Savage was pleased. Yeah. He was doing a lot of, come on, hit man. Yeah. And then he, he charges into the ring yeah. and, uh, nice. gives him a, gives him a big hug. Um, 
And uh, yeah, we we get. I actually forgot about the way this all ends, but we get uh, Brett taken to this like stage area. They, they really gonna... rush him. I mean, the guy's just yeah. wrestled for about an hour and a half, <laughs> and they're like, "Come on, son, out the ring, up to the the bit where Mean Gene does the interviews and they crown him." Yep. So he's yeah, he's gonna get his crown, his his robe, the scepter, all that. Um, and then oh. As I say, this took me by surprise. I didn't remember this off the top of my head, but Jerry the King Lawler turns up. He does, and and he basically starts cutting a bit of a heel, like a classic heel promo about there only being one king. And Brett starts getting the crowd chanting Burger King, which I thought was a bit (laughs) cringe. Um, And then, like, the king just snaps Shamrock style and starts mm-hmm. proper assault on Brett. Yep. He hits him with everything, including the the throne, um, which apparently genuinely, according to Brett, genuinely hurt him. He had issues breathing for months after him. Um, after the king uh, threw that on top of him. So, um, yeah, that's what obviously sets up Brett versus Jerry Lawler at SummerSlam. Yeah, I think at the time, as a, a a youngster, I was a little bit underwhelmed because I didn't have Lawler on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think obviously if you're uh, ever involved in the Memphis territory, he he is like a the, the the main guy. He was the headliner. He was he was the the, the top of the card for basically forever. Um, Huge. But I think from from my point of view as a kid, he'd just been that guy who'd turned up and done some commentary and stuff like that. I, I just didn't have him at that level. And all they kept telling us that is if you won King of the Ring, you're bound to be in line for a title shot. Um, I felt like it was a little bit of an anticlimax. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, that was not the big boss that you, you expected. If Yokozuna had attacked him, you'd understood. Um, and probably only to a certain uh, certain a group of people in a certain mm-hmm. area of America that would have been massive. Yeah. Uh, that would have been their Christmases come at once. But yeah, I know what you mean about being a little bit underwhelmed. So, so yeah, that was King of the Ring. It was. It was a really good show for me. Uh, I think yeah. the nostalgia plays into it. I feel like when you think about this era, it's like just past the sort of um, golden cartoon era. This feels a bit more colourful, mm-hmm. if that's the right word. Um, it's like a next, or, or it's almost like transition to the, the next generation. Yeah. Um, this this show, especially Hogan going away. And, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, again, one of those shows that when I'm watching it, I'm kind of having the memories of watching it as a kid. Um, and just really entertaining enough good quality wrestling you know you've got the perfect match you've got the the Razor Ramon match as well um, it seems so long ago it yeah. seemed like there's a lot of matches on this yeah um, you've got you know seeing uh, a, a superstar like Hogan uh, seeing someone like Yokozuna um, yeah there's there's plenty on the show to personally I, I just found really entertaining um, and probably an era I haven't gone back and watched an awful lot of, mm-hmm. uh, which was refreshing as well. So I watched WrestleMania, well, I say I watched WrestleMania 9 before I watched this. I started watching WrestleMania 9 and I 
think I think I fell asleep like the second match in. But okay. I had good intentions to watch WrestleMania nine before this, but I've watched it that many times I could probably tell you what happens anyway. Um, <laughs> the, sorry, I was just gonna mention, um for Brett, much as I was bemoaning where he goes immediately after this to some extent, the pay per view after SummerSlam is Survivor series. And it's where they were originally, it was supposed to be, uh, well, it was the Hart family, but it was supposed to be up against Jerry Lawler and, and a, a group of his, his people. But, um, Jerry Lawler could not be on that show, uh, when it came that? about. Well, I believe there were some accusations made against him. Um, oh, sort of, oh, like he missed payments in Memphis or something like that? Um, something, I, I, I don't want to say the words. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, I believe he was, he was cleared in the end, I, I believe. I uh, saw you. Yeah. So they they brought in Shawn Michaels, uh, which didn't feel like it. You know, he's he's, he's a star and he's up and coming at this point, but he didn't have the storyline at the time, right? so it just felt like a little bit of a plug-in. But what you got from that yes. was uh, the Brett and Owen situation. Yes. Uh, was it, was and, it Sean? Was it a bunch of knights? Yeah. I, was that yep. that Survivor Series then? Yeah, that was that one. So it, obviously we know where we go with Brett and, and Owen from then on, which is gold. It's just brilliant. So, Bruce, uh, Well, if you listen to Bruce. Yeah. Do you know that, that victory role, how he wins that match, takes me straight to how Owen wins that match at WrestleMania 10 when he reverses the victory uh, role. Nice. Yeah, I like that. Um, take a guess what the Meltzer rating was for Perfect V Bret Hart. Oh, it must have been good. Uh, four and a half. Four and a quarter. Okay, I was close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there you go. King of the Ring 93 in the bank. Of- Excellent. Um, and hopefully one day we'll go back to the Nutter Centre. And you're going to finish WrestleMania 9? Of course. Yeah. I was just going to say, did you know that um, that's what apparently they used to call Vince McMahon's office? The, the the nutter center. Oh dear. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah. Unfortunately, I said it. <laughs> and I'm glad I didn't emphasize it in a specific way. Uh, yeah. So, what you got for me? Okay. So. I'm so excited. Ah, <sighs> what if it's a letdown? Okay. So, um, I was just looking through Twitter, as I quite often do. And uh, there was there was something popped up oh saying uh, wasn't one of JR's likes, was it? <laughs> <laughs> some questionable likes on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it was it, it wasn't no. It was one of those um, on this day, twenty six years ago. Oh, right. So I'll tell you where I'm going. Ninety six. I am going. I am going. Eight. Two. Shut up, bros. 96. 96. 96. <laughs> yep. Yes. I am going to Bash at the Beach, 1996. And I don't know if that will immediately make you think of why I'm going there is, or. Is, is Bash at the Beach 96, but whose side is he on? Yes, it is. Nice. So, um, we have the outsiders have, have uh, come into WCW, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. Uh, and kind of threatening their their takeover um and they are going to have a six-man tag um against any three men wcw want to put forward um 
but they will not reveal who their third man is. Can't imagine there'd be anyone listening to this who doesn't know what's uh, going to happen here. However, um, one of probably the most significant moments in, in wrestling history yeah. is, is going to take place. Yeah, 100%. So it's definitely a show I've seen. It's not a show I've seen multiple times, um, but I thought it'd be fun to, to go back and have a watch through. Yeah, I like it. That sounds fun. Do you want me to run through the card? Go for it. Okay, I don't know. I don't think there's any dark matches here. So, uh, Psychosis versus Rey Mysterio. Nice. Uh, a Carson City Silver Dollar match. What the hell is that? John Tenta versus Big Bubba. Wow. Hopefully, he's, this isn't his um, and he was like a shark phase earthquake. <laughs> WCW. Uh, we've got a Lord of the Ring taped fist match. This this is unbelievable. Vince Russo isn't even here yet. They've got some <laughs> gimmick matches. Uh, DD, oh, for fuck's sake. DDP oh, no. versus Jim Duggan. Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. God damn it. Uh, Maybe he's better three years on from what we just watched. Oh, a double dog collar chain. <laughs> Why are none of them just matches? <laughs> the Nasty Boys versus Public Enemy. Okay. Johnny Grunge and Rocco Rock. Uh, oh, Jesus. Disco Inferno versus Dean Malenko for the Cruiserweight title. Disco Inferno uh, wasn't a Cruiserweight, was it? I may have made a mistake. Um, uh, yeah. Mongo McMichael. Oh, God. Versus... Joe Gomez, doesn't he play for Liverpool? Who the hell is Joe Gomez? <laughs> Steve McMichael with Deborah McMichael, is that? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Tremendous. Uh, United. Wow, oh, this is so odd. Uh, United States heavyweight title, Conan versus Ric Flair. Oh, wow. With Miss Elizabeth and Woman. That's not a pairing you would naturally put together. I'm quite intrigued by that, actually. Kevin Sullivan and the Giant versus the Four Horsemen, Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit. Okay. And then your main event. Okay. I'm going to call it a mixed bag, but um, obviously I imagine this is going to be one of these pay-per-views where they're talking about the third man the entire way through the undercard. Heenan again? Aye. Yeah. Shivoni, Heenan and a little bit of American Dream, River. Yes. Oh, nice. Lex, okay. Randy and Sting versus the yeah. Outsiders plus one other. So yeah, it's really? um have you gone back and watched this no. at any point in Definitely recent times? No. No? no. Okay. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I think I watched this when I first got the network. Right. Because I'd never I'd, I'd heard about it, but I'd never actually seen it. Um and it was one of those, you know not had access to it before, never seen it to buy or anything, so I'll just make it one of my first watches when, when the network came out. So I don't know when that would have been, when I first got the network. Five yeah. years, maybe? Longer. Yeah. Well, longer than that. Six or seven years, maybe. Um, and that's the only time I've watched it. Super. Aye. I don't think I've ever watched it. Um, I've obviously seen the end and all that sort of stuff, but yeah, be interesting. Be good. So I'm very much going for storyline here rather than match quality, I think, but it should still be good. Ah, it'd be interesting. Nice one. Yeah. Great pack. I was intrigued when I, I, I couldn't help myself but asked what decade. <laughs> you said 90s. And I said WWF. And he said no. And I was like, where's he going? Yep. Awesome. Well, we shall talk about that in two weeks then. Looking forward Excellent. to that. You're looking at the new world organization of wrestling, brother. 
Is that what he says? Yeah, he fucks it up a little bit. Fucking come on, Terry. <laughs> Stop hanging about with Bubba the Love Sponge and just oh, get, your, get your lines right. <laughs> what an awful name, eh? Oh, it's terrible. And for some reason, it creates, like, images. You it just, does. You know? It's like Jimmy Five Bellies <laughs> versus Bubba the Love Sponge at WrestleMania. <laughs> I might have to go and do that on WWE 2K. <laughs> Please, if you create Bubba the Love Sponge, do not send me whatever that looks like. I just... <laughs> Fucking disgusting. <laughs> right, if you... Uh, do you know what I was thinking? If there's anybody that actually listens to this thing, um, if you want to suggest any pay-per-views that you'd like us to, to watch, um, please feel free to let us know. Um, you can you can message us on Instagram at outlawspod. Do that. Because uh, it'd be good to get some other suggestions. Um, sometimes I get too excited and decide <laughs> the night before I've decided exactly what I'm going to pick. I then change my mind because I've watched something. So, yeah, give us a shout. Um, okay, Adam. Until next time, couple of weeks. Um, take it easy, pal. Hope you feel yep. better in two weeks. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. cheers.